Dave. Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. This is where Montana Talks. Well, I'll tell you what, if if Sean in Shelby is not a subscriber to the Big Sky Business Journal hot sheet already, uh, then, Sean, you, you should be a subscriber to the Big Sky Business Journal hot sheet because, man, I'll tell you what, at, at 621 this morning, Sean in Shelby sent us a message. And by the way, there are specific numbers that back up his message in this morning's Big Sky Business Journal hot sheet. First, let's welcome Evelyn Pyburn back to the program. She joins us every Monday from the Big Sky Business Journal. Uh, Evelyn, happy Monday. Thanks for being with us, as always. Well, same to you. It's a a good Monday, even though there's lots of cold-looking snow out there. Yeah, I'm just lucky that when I drove back from Dillon, I I took the cut across to Whitehall instead of straight north on the interstate to uh, to Butte and then over because Homestake Pass looked like a mess on a Sunday morning. Whereas uh, you know you know there was a lot of snow in Dillon yesterday morning, but uh, once we got out of Dillon, it wasn't too bad. Uh, uh, Moving on from there, uh, big. Big traffic pileup on the westbound I-90 lanes between Big Timber and Livingston. They had a, a crash there near Springdown. So, man, that was backed up for miles uh, on the westbound lanes. But uh, oh, he- heading east, I was uh, I was mostly free and clear. So <clears throat> That's one of the worst stretches in the state, I think. It's constantly having issues during storms like that. You know, trucks jackknifed and icy roads that cause you know some kind of traffic block and uh it it just um it just seems to me that it's a the worst stretch yeah well you got that big hill right there and so it gets shaded uh you know it gets so much shade that that the roads will ice up and freeze so so if you're just cruising along and you don't know to be careful there before that that turn at you know that that corner at at springdale you think oh the roads are fine going along and then boom all of a sudden you hit a a a slushy icy uh, snow patch and so yeah there's wrecks there although it kind of makes me wonder like I, i think when they built the new interchange near near laurel for example didn't they have a way to like uh, a kind of ice prevention built into the road. I wonder if there's a way they could make some modifications at some of those key turns. Uh, they, they could they could do something like that. Anyway, dumb question. I'll throw that to, to Mac Long from the Department of Transportation next time we got him on. But this was this was interesting. So I, I mentioned Sean in Shelby. He said this. So uh, so if you missed it earlier in the six o'clock hour, I I was talking about uh, being in Dillon on Saturday night. I was the keynote speaker at the Lincoln Reagan uh, dinner on Saturday night in Dillon, and I was talking about all of these people uh, that are fleeing these blue cities and fleeing these blue states and they are going to the free states of America. And, and I used a lot of the population data that actually Evelyn Pyburn has shared with us right here on this business segment here on Montana Talks. But Sean and Shelby made the point. He said, it is the tax paying people that are leaving these blue cities and states. And in fact, in the Big Sky Business Journal hot sheet this morning, that's why I say Sean must be a subscriber. If not, he needs to be because there is this headline, fleeing taxes. And it has specific numbers about how Americans are leaving the high tax states for the lower tax states. We'll start there with Evelyn Pyburn from the Big Sky Business Journal right after this. Here is your Montana news. 
A missing Billings Heights man has been found deceased near Zimmerman Park. Scott Miller, 63, had gone to the park Saturday afternoon for mountain biking. That was the last anyone heard from him. KTVQ reported that a search began before dawn Sunday after locating Miller's vehicle and phone in the parking lot. The body was discovered farther west. An avalanche injured a skier Saturday near South Fork Deep Creek Trailhead near Livingston. Color 8 reported that dispatch received the call that afternoon, and with the assistance of many skiers and two bare air, Park County Sheriff's Search and Rescue found the skier about two and a half miles from the trailhead. He sustained a broken femur, so after receiving aid for the injury, the skier was airlifted by helicopter from the mountain. After thanking everyone who helped in the rescue, Park County Sheriff Brad Bickler added, quote, Stay safe out there. That's the Montana News Minute. I'm Travis Lee. Here's a look at your real weather for Billings and Bozeman. We'll see some periods of light snow across the region as we continue through your Monday as we do see accumulations generally staying up around an inch in spots or less. As we'll see high temperature readings ranging from the mid-20s in the Bozeman area to about the lower 30s into Billings. The outlook for tonight does call for some more snow showers. Any accumulation expected to stay at an inch or less. Lows around 9 above in Bozeman to 19 in the Billings vicinity. And still looking at uh, partial sun and some cloudiness on Tuesday. Still some snow showers around early on in the day, especially high temperatures. Uh, staying in the mid-30s in the Billings area to around 30 degrees in Bozeman. Tuesday night, we'll see lows near 8 above in Bozeman, 18 in Billings. And that's a look at your real weather on Montana Talks. I'm weatherology meteorologist Paul Frombley. Serving the great state of Montana, from the peaks of the Beartooth to the banks of the Clark Fork River, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Yeah, well, for those who, who missed it in the 6 o'clock hour, I kind of opened up the 6 o'clock hour of the show by just talking about, you know, some of uh, the information that we heard on Saturday night while I was in Dillon for the Lincoln-Reagan dinner. And, uh, yeah, Evelyn, this was interesting. I, I got up and shared kind of some of these population numbers that you and I have talked about on this show from time to time and how people are fleeing these blue cities, fleeing these blue states, and they're coming to red states like like Montana, Florida, and Texas. And, and of course, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was talking about that over the weekend at the Reagan Presidential Library. And uh, Beaverhead County Commissioner McGinley, uh, after after uh, I gave my remarks, he said, you know, he's been a county commissioner in Beaverhead County for 23 years. And the the most change he has seen as a county commissioner has been in the last three years in particular. So yeah, very very interesting. But uh, but then Sean and Shelby made the point that you know tax paying people are leaving blue cities and blue states, and the numbers that you share in the hot sheet this morning back that all up. Yes, this comes from a report from the Tax Foundation, and they're saying that. Uh, high-tax states are losing people to low-tax states, and um, the migration is, uh, you know, well, it's it's the reason that our state is uh, growing in numbers, and, you know, and, and I find this amazing. Montana has improved our, our tax situation enough that we are perceived as not being such a high-tax state anymore. And, and historically, we've had our moments, and, but <laughs> yeah. um, 
so, um, but during uh, the New York, for, for example, New, New York's population has shrunk by 0.9% between uh, July 21 and July 22, and Illinois has lost 0.8% of their population, and Louisiana has lost 0.8%. And then others who've lost a lot of people because of their high taxes is West Virginia and Hawaii. But the states receiving them are, besides Montana, which was also listed, but Florida has gained, uh, Idaho, South Carolina, Texas, South Dakota, Delaware, Arizona, um, Utah, you know, the people, uh, most of those states all saw population gains of 1% or more. And so uh, it's uh, people pay attention, you know, to what taxes are and to what uh, economic benefits there are in in living in one state over another. So uh, it's having its impact. It's very interesting, and to see it impacting, you know, a, a, a small town like Dillon, Montana. Dillon, you know, huge ag uh, base and background. We got a number of, uh, you know, uh, farmer rancher friends that listen to our show and listen on the Montana Talks app, or they pick us up at a KXTL at a Butte and listen to us uh, while they're passing in and out of Bozeman on fourteen fifty KMMS as well. But, but it's interesting with all the people that are that are moving into even places like Dillon. You know, Dillon, yeah, is a conservative stronghold, but you've all also got you know uh, the University of Montana Western there, so being a college town that can pad the numbers of, of more liberal leaning voters. But now all the newcomers coming in are true political refugees. It sounds like so they're they're making towns like like Dillon and even towns like like Helena more conservative. It, it's interesting to see that. But yeah, Florida gaining 1.9 percent population, Montana o- along with a number of other states that increased our population. While New York, Illinois, California. And others are uh, shedding uh, people. That kind of ties in with another headline you've got on the Big Sky Business Journal hot sheet this morning. Cities silent in aftermath. Apparently, researchers analyzed nine different U.S. cities that implemented vaccine mandates during the pandemic and found that those mandates had no real effect on the spread of COVID-19. And apparently now those city leaders uh, are not answering any questions. They, they are refusing to respond to questions uh, about, you know, why they did what they did and why it didn't work. Yeah, isn't that just amazing? Um, the, these uh, city leaders refuse to uh, respond to inquiries from the center square, which, uh, following a study of uh, the whole issue, in in which uh, some of the country's biggest cities were contacted, or or the the impacts were were evaluated. Uh, they didn't get a response from any of the mayors of of um, of Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles, New Orleans, New York, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Seattle, and Washington D.C. Mm, yeah. And there's nobody in those cities that wanted to talk about it. Um, the study was done by Mason uh, George Mason University, and uh, you know it, it's just. It's, it's so much. It's, it's like so many of the other issues we're seeing, you know, that's coming out where, you know, the uh, pe- people who said who question 
are turning out to be right to have questioned a lot of different things, but now then the response is silence. You yeah. know, you don't you don't get an explanation. And 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 I really find that just kind of baffling. I mean, okay, so you have the people who are pushing a, a different agenda, but there's surely more than that who who are sincere believers that this worked and and you or would was you know some of these ideas were good ideas so you would think at this point they'd go wow i was wrong you know yeah. uh, i learned something here or a little humility could go along yeah a little humility could go a long way couldn't it but uh yeah yeah all right well great information great insight this is again why i tell you you've got to be a subscriber to the big sky business journal hot sheet uh new york city mayor eric adams had some interesting remarks on this very front so stand by we'll, we'll come back to our conversation with evelyn here right after this right after the farm and ranch report and more this is where Montana talks ag with Lane Nordland. Well, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack will be the keynote speaker during the general session this Friday at the 2023 Commodity Classic taking place in Orlando, Florida. The general session will also include leaders from the five associations that present the Commodity Classic, including the American Soybean Association, National Corn Growers, National Association of Wheat Growers, National Sorghum Producers, and the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. All have more coverage from Orlando later this week, where some hot topics will include Mexico's attempt to ban GMO corn and what what the wheat crop and prices will look like here in the coming months. When it comes to the beef business, there's no room for gray area. The decisions being made in Washington affect the future of the beef industry, the livelihood of your fellow farmers and ranchers. Your National Cattlemen's Beef Association knows there's what benefits cattlemen and there's what doesn't. Visit ncba.org to learn more. 2022 will go into the books as the third costliest year for weather disasters in U.S. history, totaling over $165 billion. Weather also caused more than $21 billion in crop losses for America's farmers and ranchers. And advocates say it demonstrates the importance of farm bill programs to help rural communities recover from weather-related disasters. I'm Lane Northland. Montana is talking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right. Thanks to Lane Nordland for that uh, great update and his work and travels across the country on our behalf. Always appreciated both to him and Russell Nimitz and Haley Ship as well and the crew there at the uh, Western Ag Network. All right. Jumping right back into it here. We've got Evelyn Pyburn from the Big Sky Business Journal on the show uh, with us right now. Uh, got a message from Chuck D in Billings here on our Montana Talks app. The influx of political or high High-tax refugees will continue because of COVID hysteria. COVID proved that people can work remotely and make the same money. So that's uh, that's what Chuck D. and Billings had to say in response to some of the topics we're already covering here this morning with Evelyn. Uh, let's see, Evelyn, I, I, I should have written down a note. <laughs> right as we went to the break, I said, okay, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about, and I totally blanked what we were going to talk about after the break. So I'll let you uh, keep us on track here. Well, you know, there's a couple things we talked about, but one of the things that uh, I hope, I, I know that probably in the next, during this week, you're going to have an opportunity to talk to some of the state legislators 
about what's been going on so far in the legislature. And yeah. I hope you asked about the right to work law because it was shot down. And, you know, while it has long been held that one of the benefits for states with strong, healthy economies is the adoption of the right to work law, which is a state law that prohibits forced membership in a union in order to have a job. And it's as a freedom of choice concept, it has traditionally been viewed as a Republican favored measure. And when it has failed in Montana, and I think every legislative session has had a bill and that was never passed, and it was always attributed to Democratic opposition. But considering that we have a supermajority of Republicans this time, it's apparent that it isn't really the Democrats, I mean, and all of them did, by the way, stand opposed to it, but it was they were joined by quite a number of Republicans, and some of whom quite a, kind of surprised me. So I would like to know why. What, what is the issue here? Because, uh, you know, in the annual rich states, poor states analysis that's done uh, uh, regarding what states have really strong economies and, and what the data is that supports, that, that shows wh why they have strong economies, one of those 15 measures is that they have a right to work law, which, you know, about half the states do. And um, the, the research on it and everything shows that states with right to work laws have a higher standard of living than do non-right to work states and families in right to work states on average, have greater after-tax income and purchasing power than those in non-right-to-work states. And, um, you know, and, 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 and what's more, you know, wh why, why wouldn't you want people to be able to choose whether or not they want to join a union? And, and, and like one statement said, this is not a pro-union uh, opposition to union issue. This is just a freedom issue. It, it's letting people choose. And uh, well, I, I'm just what I think is interesting is is even without right to work laws on the books in Montana, the union leadership is doing a better job. You know, it, it's been the boogeyman for years. Obviously, Montana is one of the, is I think the most unionized state in the Rocky Mountain West, and a lot of those blue collar union workers were were always just in the back pocket of the Democrat Party. Now they've totally flipped. Uh, now the Republican Party is the party of the working class, and and you know union strongholds like Great Falls. Those guys, those men and women are voting Republican now. So I, I, I suspect that, that a lot of those Republican legislators are probably thinking, you know, why pick this fight when the, when the union guys are voting with us now and they're voting for us now? And meanwhile, the, it's, it's the union bosses. I mean, the Al Ekblads from the AFL-CIO, I, I, I saw all the union guys were in the Capitol the last time I was there. And they all right to work and blah, blah, blah. And it's like... You know, Al Ekblad, you and the Democrats you keep voting for are the ones that are responsible for killing union jobs. But, oh, you come up here and complain about right to work every legislative session, even though it goes nowhere. But meanwhile, union jobs are being killed because of you and your environmental buddies. Uh, yeah, all of that's true. Um, and it's 
Well, and, and a lot of the right to work, or a lot of the union dues, and I'm sure that this is where it kicks in, but the, the, those dues hugely go to Democratic uh, candidates and, and causes across the country. So um, it, yeah. it's, it's probably the, the one, one of the reasons they, they don't want to lose any of that membership. But, you know, nationally, the uh, courts have said that it uh, is not uh, right that employees of federal government or state governments that's have, right the, yeah uh, the courts have, to, have ruled on behalf of workers and workers freedom right. so yeah no matter what the legislature does in my opinion uh the courts are going to be the ones that'll weigh in uh, one way or the other right. hey evelyn if you can stand by i know we got a lot more to talk about fox news i'm chris foster police in atlanta say 35 people are arrested in protest at the site of a police training center being built some protesters began throwing rocks and sticks, and at least one Molotov cocktail was also thrown at police. At least one construction vehicle was set on fire as well. The protesters then scattered into the woods. Fox 5 Atlanta's Kim Loeffler. Iran's Supreme Leader calls the poisoning of schoolgirls punishable by death. There have been suspected chemical attacks at more than 50 schools in Iran in the past four months. Ayatollah Ali Khamenei says if the incidents are shown to be deliberate, they'd be an unforgivable crime. But there are no details about what chemicals may have been used or who could be behind it. Unlike neighbouring Afghanistan, Iran has no history of religious extremists targeting women's education. Fox's Jonathan Savage, no girls are reported to have died. America's listening to Fox News. All right, Evelyn Pyburn thankfully can stick around with us for a few more minutes, and then we're going to open up the phone lines, anything and everything you want to talk about here on Montana Talks, and we're going to keep the phone lines open until 10 a.m. when Dan Bongino takes over the airwaves. Because, uh, yeah, just like Evelyn said, I, I want to leave the phone lines open, so if there's lawmakers out there that are listening that are on this transmittal break, we definitely want to hear from you. But uh, but phone lines are open for everybody, uh, 294-0970, if you want to get in the queue. Uh Evelyn, let's see. Uh, you had another headline here. Speaking of uh, uh, job losses, the, the unions teaming up with the Democrats and the environmentalists to kill union jobs. Montana workers stand to see about 18 percent of its current jobs eliminated or reduced in scope by automation and AI, artificial intelligence. Uh, this is a, a report that you've in included here uh, in the hot sheet this morning. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty interesting uh, to see what type of impacts AI and artificial intelligence will have in the years ahead. Yeah, the study which comes out of the U.K. says that Montana stands to lose 71,650 jobs uh, because of basically being replaced by a robot, you know. And, and I've heard and seen uh, articles and stuff that people are kind of really worried about this and uh, what, what are these uh, workers going to do. And I've heard discussions, well, many of them are not uh, highly educated and therefore their options will be limited. And, and, and you know, when you go back and you read history and, and uh, find out, you know, well, technology's been coming at us for a long time now and it's made a lot of big changes to our economy and the way we live, and and they've always worried about uh, what's going to happen as one industry fades out and a new one arrives, and and um, and the truth of the matter is, is almost every advancement in technology has generated 
new opportunities uh, and, and uh, spinoffs of, of things that aren't even predicted that create jobs. And so, you know, I, I'm not particularly concerned about it. I'm sure uh, there's going to be a lot of technology that we haven't even seen the uh, seen anything about yet that's going to emerge, and, and people are going to uh, be able to adapt and, and find jobs and probably better jobs. And, yeah. you know, I mean, you think about how jobs have changed. They're much more, much more interesting and challenging and um just more fun to have the, many of the jobs than that used to be, you know, the many assembly line worker jobs and stuff like that couldn't have been fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and look at how many jobs in Montana right now, even locally, that you see at restaurants, fast food joints, wherever, that just aren't being filled. Will they ever be filled? So uh, is technology a solution, not to take away the existing jobs, but to fill the jobs that aren't even being filled right now? Evelyn Pyburn, always a pleasure. I know you've got the Montana Women's Run coming up. You're encouraging uh, folks to sign up for. Plus, uh, there is a job fair uh, coming up right around the corner. Uh, check out the big Sky Business Journal print edition and more for all those details. Evelyn, thanks for your time as always. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, phone lines are open for you. Anything and everything you want to talk about here on Montana Talks. And uh, not just you, uh, but especially if you're a, a lawmaker, a state legislator. I think I'm, I saw a couple of emails from some lawmakers over the weekend. I don't know if I got a chance to respond to them uh, yet, but they're like, hey, if you want me to join you on the show, like, we could talk about this, we could talk about that. And uh, I, I just want to put out a blanket statement, an open call. Hey, if you're one of those lawmakers and you got something you want to talk about, uh, don't don't wait for the invite from me. Don't wait for you know the uh, the letter to show up in the mail. Don't wait for the, uh, the bouquet of flowers to show up. Uh, uh, don't, you know, we won't have a little pillow with chocolates. Oh, here, please, please join us on show. No, the phone lines are open. And so the point being is that, hey, if if I haven't had the, the, the chance or the, the foresight to think, oh, we should talk with state representative so-and-so about blank or we should talk with state senator so-and-so about blank. Look, what were there, 4,000 different bills that were that were initially being worked on? Hundreds of bills that we're seeing action in the state legislature. So you call in and tell us because we don't have all the answers. We don't know everything that's been going on in the state legislature. We've been trying to cover it as closely as we can. But if you're on that transmittal break right now, the one week break between in, in the middle of the 90 day session uh, and and you still want to get the word out to your constituents about what you've been working on. Uh, some of the highlights, some of the lowlights, what you think uh, didn't get done in the first half that needs to get done in the second half, well, give us a ring, 294-0970. Speaking of the legislature, I had a, a message, uh, uh, let's see, a few minutes ago. This was from Shane listening in East Helena. Uh, Shane says this, Aaron, I did a little search, and it says my legislature is 90 days. Is that correct? Uh, he says, if so, why is... Julie Dooling in Virginia and not in the Capitol building. Shane says she is a rhino and not doing very much for Montanans. 
If it is not still in session, disregard and carry on. Uh, but anyway, so Shane, uh, yeah, Shane, good question. Yeah, they are on the transmittal break right now. Uh, so, so the lawmakers, uh, the basically, I think Thursday night the state senate wrapped up. Friday, the state house wrapped up, and then they're on a one week break. So, heck, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what uh, Representative Dueling is up to. I mean, I know there's a number of Montanans that are back in wa- in the Washington D.C. area right now, uh, lobbying. On on several issues, uh, I think I saw uh, some of the Farm Bureau folks were there recently as well, and so uh, yeah, so uh, some of them are traveling their districts, some of them are uh, attending to uh, some other uh, uh, meetings, uh, kind of all across the country. But yeah, uh, phone lines are open two nine four zero nine seventy. CPAC took place over the weekend, the Conservative Political Action Conference. Uh, I played some of those highlights in the six o'clock hour of the show. Uh, meanwhile, you, so you had President Donald Trump. He was the 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 headliner at the Conservative Political Action Conference. Meanwhile, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he was uh, he was at the Reagan Library. He uh, had been speaking at uh, in Texas and New York City and Chicago, taking the fight directly to some of these blue lead cities. Uh, so I want to talk about 2024, DeSantis, Trump. Uh, the weekend news plus uh, former Trump Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke, the uh, co- the Montana uh, congressman for the Western District, he also spoke at CPAC. Uh, so I'll share all that audio uh, for you. But I, I did just remind myself. Speaking of of New York City, I, I mentioned in our previous conversation with uh, with Evelyn Pyburn that I was going to share this audio. That's what I forgot. I was like, man, what were we going to talk about after that break? And I totally forgot it. We were talking about how. How people are fleeing these blue lead states, how people are fleeing these these blue lead cities, the Democrat cities, these Democrat states and uh, and and fleeing the high tax states. And then, you know, Evelyn had talked about, you know, these cities where these mayors are refusing to answer questions about their failed response to covid-19. And anyway, so that's that's what it was. That's a, I, I now remember what I was going to talk about. So New York City Mayor Eric Adams, uh, Mayor Adams used to actually identify as a Republican. Uh, apparently, he's he's a, a man of faith. He's he's Christian. And so he speaks openly about his faith and, and didn't back down, I think, when he was on CNN over the weekend. Uh, but I think he still has to, you know. Uh, you know, he still has to, you know, still support some of these uh, radical liberal policies, because if you want to get elected in New York City right now, you got to you got to bend at the knee to the woke mob to a certain extent. But anyway, he was asked on CNN's State of the Union program Sunday morning on Lori Lightfoot losing her reelection as mayor of Chicago. And he was asked, you know, is this a wake up call? for for democrat mayors like yourself and uh here's part of what he had to say i think it's a warning sign for the country uh eric adams has been talking about public safety not only on the campaign trail uh but for the first year i showed up at crime scenes i knew what new yorkers were saying and i saw it all over the country i think if anything it is really stating that this is what i have been talking about america we have to be safe all right so new york uh mayor uh Eric Adams says, oh, no, it's not a wake-up call for me. It's a wake-up call for the country. 
uh, and and now he's claiming that he is is going strong on on law enforcement. I, I think so far he's I think he's been a disappointment for New York City. I think he's an improvement. But a disappointment nonetheless. You know, I think a lot of people expected him to come in and take office as mayor and start shedding these vaccine mandates that were punishing firefighters and police officers and others. Uh, they thought him to be much. They they were hopeful that he would be much more aggressive in support of law enforcement and and public safety. And so far, that's not taken place. Uh, I mean, we appreciate the st- the strong rhetoric uh, there on CNN, but I think I think folks on the ground and. New York City just aren't aren't seeing it, frankly. Uh, but uh, but he talked tough on it, and I guess I guess that's at least I don't know. You couldn't say half the battle, but maybe five percent of the battle. Uh, I don't know. You tell us. Meanwhile, in Atlanta, in Atlanta, they had rioters back out in force in Atlanta. Smoke and flames shot and poured from equipment at the future Atlanta Public Safety Training Center, dubbed Cop City. Uh, last night in Georgia, yeah, you had you had rioters. Basically, Fox News has this story. They were talking about it on Fox and Friends earlier this morning. You had rioters in Atlanta throwing Molotov cocktails at police and burning down uh, this law enforcement training facility in Atlanta, Georgia. And you just watch. You just watch what's going to happen in, in the days and months ahead. If you were some little old lady who walked into the Capitol building after the Capitol Police waved you through, that little old lady is going to face a lot more punishment than the people throwing Molotov cocktails at police and burning down a law enforcement training center, right? Uh, Let's see. Former, uh, let's see, former Trump Interior Secretary and Montana Congressman Ryan Zinke from the Western District. He also spoke at the uh, Conservative Political Action Conference over the weekend. Uh, let's see. Let's play that one for you first, and then we'll talk Trump, DeSantis, and more. I want to say thanks for everyone showing up, because, again, the front line matters. Uh, on energy, uh, we have great potential, uh, but we have to use it. Uh, again, you look at the Biden administration. So where are they getting the crude from? Venezuela, they're begging Iran and Russia, uh, and it's immoral and conscionable that we, we, won't, we can't, you know, use our resources here. And, and, you know, wind, solar, everything has a consequence. If you're wind, you know, you got to accept you're going to chew up probably 750,000 birds or so a year. Uh, that's a lot. If you're a solar-minded you know, person, guess what? When you propose these hundreds of square miles of solar fields, that is public land oftentimes you're not going to recreate on, you're not going to fish on, you're not going to hunt on. It's fouled single, single use. And yet people object to a pump jack that's an acre someplace hidden. Uh, this is an issue because energy matters. Lastly, you look at our inflation, which is robbing all of us, right? We're the two drivers of inflation. Energy and excessive spending. All right. That was uh, Montana Congressman Ryan Zinke at CPAC. We're going to get to your phone calls here uh, right after this break. John in Bozeman, stand by. You'll be first up uh, right after this. Hey, he was talking about energy prices there. And look, energy prices are still high because of this Green New Deal nonsense. If you're somebody who's out there thinking, God, you know, the energy prices are still so high. Inflation is so high. Do, do I spend the gas money to go pick up my prescription drugs or do I skip out on the prescriptions uh, hey i'm telling you don't don't delay your care 
because of gas prices. Here's here's the deal. If you live in the Billings area, our friends at Farm 406 will drive your prescriptions to you. So you don't have to worry about spending your own gas money. Heck, they'll even deliver them to you in the mail. Check them out, farm406.com, farm406.com. Or if you're in the Laurel, Lockwood, or Billings area, they're right there, 38th and Grand on the West End. John and Bozeman, you're up next. Fox News commentary. Illegal immigrants will now be able to vote in D.C. It pays to break the law in liberal cities, I guess. I'm Tommy Lahren. More next. Stay on top of the latest forecast with America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Here's the latest from America's Weather Center. It's Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Five inches of rain by tomorrow. Temperatures being 30 degrees above average. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com. Well, folks, non-citizens, foreign diplomats, and even illegals will now be able to vote in local elections in our nation's capital. The city council passed it, and Congress failed to step in and stop it, so here we are. If you meet other qualifications, such as age, all you gotta do is reside in D.C. for 30 days, and you get a vote. Democrats say this is in line with our values as a country, but not sure when breaking immigration law became one of our American values. I guess in January of 2021, when Biden took office, I suppose. This is infuriating and will only entice more illegals to cross our border. If we don't stop this snowball, this D.C. experiment will become the law of the entire land, and then we can kiss all future elections goodbye. I promise you that. We knew this was coming, folks. We knew this was the plan. Let's just hope it stops at Washington, D.C. I'm Tommy Lahren, and you can watch my show, Tommy Lahren is Fearless, at Outkick.com. Broadcasting from the Grizzly Gold and Silver Studios. Trusted by the Northwest. Montana owned. Online at GrizzlyGoldAndSilver.com. Montana is talking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, let's uh, jump right into the phone lines here. I saw a message from uh, our producer, Travis. Yeah, John and Bozeman uh, got a notice that the Bozeman School District has uh, canceled school for today due to a threat. I see KBZK Television has a story right now with some more details. But yeah, uh, John, thanks for calling in. Thanks for listening to 1450 KMMS. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty crazy. They canceled school for the whole day, huh? Uh, yeah, yep. What's your thoughts? So, yeah, anyway, it, it just kind of makes me uh, realize that, like how vulnerable like we are, you know, even even in in Montana, and how just a simple. I mean, I don't want to call it simple, but like how a, how a threat like this can really affect, you know the community because essentially all you know all these parents with kids are revamping their day to to accommodate you know this kind of thing and um and you know i just kind of you know makes me wonder like you know in the future like you know where are we going to what direction are we going to go to deal with things you know like this it does seem like now, whenever there is a threat, even if it's not deemed credible, there's there's more of a knee-jerk reaction to cancel school, to shut down everything uh, than there was in the past. I mean, ever since I was a kid, there was always, you know, bomb threats or whatever, and and typically the news media wouldn't even report those types of threats because then you'd have copycats uh, that would that would put more of these hoax threats out there as well. Uh, but yet, so it's it's interesting here that in this 
in this message from the Bozeman schools, they say that we do not believe the threat to be credible. We're closely monitoring the situation and taking it seriously, but out of an abundance of caution, they're, they're canceling school for today anyway. Now, they are going to reopen apparently later today for the uh, AA Band Festival uh, at 3.30 p.m., but yeah, yeah parents got to figure out what, what to do with kids and everything in the meantime. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I was kind of checking in on it and just seeing what, what the thoughts were about it because it, you know, it kind of, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely, you know, even though we're trying to keep everybody safe, it, it sure sparks, you know, a lot of knee-jerk reactions. And, and and fear and anxiety in, in many folks as well. Yeah. Uh, well, thank, thanks for calling in, John. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what, uh, what other listeners have to say about that. Other folks, uh, it, it, if you've got kids in, in the Bozeman schools as well, definitely give us a ring because we'll, we've got the phone lines open coming up in the, uh, in the 8 o'clock hour as well. Uh, I, I remember when there was a threat on the, uh, on, in, you know, a, a threat that was made in the uh, school district, too, in, in Billings, uh, sp- specifically Billings West High School. Now, they chose not to cancel classes over that threat and uh and, but but still uh hundreds of kids ended up staying home their parents kept them home uh, now we 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 had our kids still go to school we're like look they've got law enforcement there this is probably going to be one of the safest days of the year uh and so so go to school you know stand up to the to this to these threats that was our approach but we don't judge parents who took another approach uh next up on the phone lines frank in carbon county frank what's your thoughts this morning what's going on good morning i I was thinking that all things being equal, who should DeSantis, what I'm asking is what your viewers think or your listeners, who should DeSantis choose for his running mate, Sarah Huckabee, Christy Nome, or Tulsi Gabbard? All things being equal. Oh, yeah. And same question for a Trump, if you wanted to throw out Trump there. But are you hoping that, that Ron DeSantis is the nominee? Um, just one person speaking. I think Mr. Trump, although I'm a fan, should stand stand back and let DeSantis run. It is interesting. The DailyCaller.com this morning uh, has a story about how uh, Donald Trump is topping the national primary polls, but when it comes to certain key states, uh, that that's where uh, that's where apparently uh, Ron DeSantis is is doing very well. And when it comes to some of these key important states in the primary election, in particular, out of the names that you threw out, who do you think uh, DeSantis should choose if he ends up being the nominee to be his running mate? Uh, I think all three of these individuals would be wonderful vice presidents. Um, I'm kind of a fan of Tulsi Gabbard. Are you? She would also draw the Democratic vote. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it depends. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, I think, would appeal to, to independents and swing voters because she's a former Democrat presidential candidate herself. I mean, I, I prefer somebody more conservative than her. But, but hey, look, you know, depending on what you're looking at, what it's going to take to win, I, there, there's people that could make that argument. Frank, thanks for the call. Great to hear.